Welcome to The Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region, The Marcus Warren Show. I am your host, financial advisor, tax and road agent, and author of the Retirement and Tax Playbooks, Marcus Warren. And I hope everyone is doing well on this Sunday. And to my leftish, I am joined by our resident tax professional and enrolled agent D. How you doing, D? Hello and happy Sunday. And remember that if you miss any parts of the show and you want to catch up on anything that you missed, all you have to do is subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, throughout the show, we will be offering our retirement rescue game plan. Now, what that is, that is a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threaten your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. Now, in that game plan, you're going to get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. Now, you may be asking yourself, how can I get my hands on that, Marcus? Well, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net, That's warrenwealth.net. You put in your information and that retirement rescue game plan will be delivered free of charge to your front door via USPS. That's pretty good stuff there, by the way, USPS. But all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. All right. um, So we are, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I need to drink a water or something or coffee. I don't know what that is. Anyway, we need a, um, or, or we're in the midst of um, a, I guess it's safe to say, probably a bear market. And um, a lot of people are a little nervous about the stock market. What else are they nervous about? Uh, gas prices. What else are they nervous about? Uh, inflation, things of that nature. Matter of fact, my uh, 20-year-old daughter um, basically asked me about inflation this week where she was like, when is it going to go away? And I said, I agree. Uh, <laughs> when is it going to go away? And I'm like, I, good question. Um, I don't know. Um, but it's one of those things where things are just uh, cyclical. And of course, you know, she was complaining about the price of gas. It cost, what, about $5 or so to fill your pump up. And, uh, and that's here in Kentucky, Louisville, Kentucky, mm-hmm. much less where she goes to college in Loyola in Chicago, where it's a lot more than that. And so she's really wanting to know when it's going to be over. And I wish I could give her an answer, but I cannot. But it had me thinking about um, retirement and we talk about the retirement mountain. So uh, let's get into money matters and talk about mountain climbing. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. All right, so you may be asking, uh, what does mountain climbing, Marcus, have to do with retirement or the way things are going right now? And um, I'm glad you asked because um, in my book, The Retirement Playbook, I compare retirement planning to mountain climbing. Now, why do I do that? Well, um, there was one one day I was on the um, Google machine, and I was just, um, I think I just watched a um, um, documentary or some show, whatever it was, maybe an expose, but it was about people climbing Mount Everest. You know, many people have gone up. There have been uh, uh, accounts of people with 
um, you know, disabilities going up, blind, well, you know, so forth or so on. And really? I thought, wow, this is, uh, hmm. this is interesting. Of course, they have a, a guide. They're not going up blind by oh, themselves. Right. Yes, yes. Okay. Still. Um, <laughs> what excuse do I have? Yeah, well, one is I'm not... I'm not going up Mount Everest, that's mm. for sure. Okay. Um, but um, so I was looking up uh, um, uh, stuff on it, and what I realized is that, um, you know, as people are making that trek up Mount Everest, um, and most people are, are fine, and they make it to the top. They make it to the summit. And then they have to, of course, go on their descent down. And the interesting um, statistic and fact that um, I saw was that, 80% of accidents and deaths, they don't occur on the way up, they occur on the way down. And so it had me thinking about um, retirement planning. You know, as you're going up that retirement planning mountain, things for the most part seem to be fine. You finally make it to the point where you're going to transition from retirement into, uh, from working into retirement. And then as your way down, on your way down that uh, retirement mountain is where uh, I see a lot of uh, retirement plans um, uh, basically die for the most part. And why is that? And it, it happens for uh, a few different reasons. Um, and I want to uh, discuss uh, a couple of them and why that happens. And so um, in, in my book, The Retirement Playbook, I call this the Everest effect of retirement, right? The Everest effect, uh, Mount Everest. And so when you think about it, as you're going up this retirement mountain, um, we'll call that the accumulation phase, right? So you're trying to just accumulate money into your nest egg. And so you're working, uh, you're getting that paycheck from that employer, you've opened up your IRA, your company retirement plan, 401k, 403b, whatever that may be, and you're just putting money in, right? That check's coming from the employer and you're putting money in. Uh, you're more concerned about the return on your investment because you want a solid rate of return. And so um, you're just uh, really wanting to see those investment returns and your money work for you. During that accumulation phase, the stock market is doing what the stock market always does. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down, right? It always does that. But you're really not so much concerned about some of those downtimes. Why? Because you're putting money in the market. And when the market dips, that is a buying opportunity, right? You're supposed to buy low, sell high. That's a buying opportunity. You're basically dollar cost averaging your way into the market, which is a good thing. Then you finally get to the top of the mountain. You get to the peak. And that's when things change. That's when you now are starting to go on the descent down the mountain. So you've gone from that accumulation phase on the way up. And now you're on the descent, which is the, uh, what is that called? It is the distribution phase or sometimes the preservation uh, preservation phase, right? You, you, you want to make sure that your money's there, but you know you're going to have to pull money away from it. That is when you transition uh, from getting that paycheck from that employer to that stopping. It stops. And now you're responsible for that income, right? Um, you're more concerned or you should be concerned about the return on your investment because you do want your money to work for you. But you should be more concerned about the return of your investment, that you're able to use it and it lasts as long as you do. Now, during the descent, during the 
preservation and distribution phase, the stock market is going to do what the stock market always does. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down, right? But now it's different. Because now, when the market goes down, kind of like it is right now, you're in the distribution phase and you want to pull money out. And so when the market is down and you have to pull money out, your nest egg depletes a little quicker, right? And so things have changed. And so the issue and the problems with uh, transitioning from that accumulation to the distribution phase is the level of planning that is involved. And so if you've been working with an advisor or a financial planner during that accumulation phase, it might not be the same one you need to work with during that distribution phase. Because I think it's a different skill set to focus, to go from focusing on the accumulation to that retirement and distribution preservation phase. Basically what I say is this, that retirement Sherpa that helps you up the mountain might not be in your, it might not be in your best interest to keep that same advisor on the way down. You may need to transition and deal with someone, a different retirement Sherpa, if you will, who knows how to get you down the mountain. Why? Because there are a lot of pitfalls and things that can happen on the way down. Remember, it's the Everest effect. What I've seen, and I've been doing this for over 20 years now, is that people go into retirement without a plan. They don't uh, um, put their uh, ducks in a row and they think they can do the same things during the accumulation phase as they did. Uh, they think they can do the same thing during the distribution phase as they did during the accumulation phase, and you cannot do that. What are some of these retirement planning pitfalls? So um, one pitfall is like, right now, what's going on? The stock market is volatile. And we may be in a bear market. And if you're pulling money out, that can be detrimental if you didn't have an income plan for, uh, to begin with. Because the money that you need short term, the money that you're going to be living on, the money that you're going to use for income, it shouldn't be at risk in the market anyway. Now, you're, you're going to have a long retirement. We're talking about 20, 20 plus years, right? And so uh, you're going to have long term money. That's the money that should be in the market, and that's the money that you shouldn't have to worry about now. Why? Because it's going to have time to recover before you're going to need income from that. So you already got that market risk. That's a pitfall. You have um, really withdrawn your money too quickly because there's that 4% rule. Some people do 5%, and that might not work for you, uh, during, especially during these times. Then you have to worry about Social Security, right? Social Security, when to take it, how to maximize it. Uh, there's Medicare out there. What are the Medicare supplements? There's a lot of pitfalls and things that your accumulation, your broker, your uh, financial advisor doesn't know as you transition into retirement because they're not equipped with that knowledge and that information and the tools. What else can happen on your way down retirement mountain? Well, what you're doing is you're pulling. Generally, when you are going down uh, the mountain, you are pulling from your retirement accounts. You're in that distribution phase, and you're generally pulling from tax-deferred accounts, IRAs, 401ks, right? Those accounts have not been taxed yet. And when you pull it out, it's 100% taxable. It goes on top of all your other income. 
So if you're collecting Social Security, it goes on top of that. If you happen to get a pension, although pensions have gone the way of the dodo bird, but if you happen to be getting a pension and you're pulling money from your uh, IRA or 401k, it goes all on top of that. Rental property, it goes all on top of that. And you know what's building up? That income. And you know what also building up? What Uncle Sam wants. He wants his cut from anything that, any kind of income that you receive in retirement. By the way, if you get too much income, you know what else can be taxable? Your Social Security. Mm, bet you didn't know that. Or maybe if you did, hmm, good for you. But if you didn't, bad for you. Because you can have an unexpected tax bill that you might not like too much. And that's a huge pitfall. Taxes become one of the biggest expenses in retirement. And you have to plan for all of those things. You have to plan for all of those things. So who helped you up that retirement mountain may not be the best person to help you down that mountain because they don't have the tools and the skills involved to get you down that mountain safely. Think about that. Of course, we here at Warren Wealth Management, um, we can be that retirement Sherpa to lead you down the mountain because that is what we do. Go to warrenwealth.net, schedule a 15-minute phone call, and we can assess your situation and make sure that you're on the right track. All right, coming up next, uh, we're going to talk about the current market environment and uh, talk more about retirement. You are listening to The Marcus Warren Show. So, um, this song is from the soundtrack of Hamilton. And this is, of course, Aaron Burr, sir. <laughs> and, uh, by the way, uh, why are we, um, playing this song? Well, Mr. Burr, sir, was born on this day in 1756. The infamous. The infamous. Aaron Burr. By the way, this soundtrack, uh, uh, the Hamilton, uh, soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it, it came out in uh, uh, 2015. Okay. It was a best-selling soundtrack ever. Wow. Eight times platinum. Uh, it was number one on the rap albums chart for a while. Okay, interesting. Um, which, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's kind of a hip-hop-ish. Yeah. Uh, you know, of course, the yeah. musical Hamilton is the most successful musical of all time. It's just good stuff, good stuff, any good stuff. Anyway, welcome back to the show. The Marcus Warren Show. By the way, um, uh, I know that uh, you know we both seen Hamilton and mm-hmm. um, a few times, and it's uh, uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, I would definitely recommend it. I, when it was here in in, in Louisville, I uh, took my kids, yeah. um, and they enjoyed it, and they uh, you know we like to act out and, and perform the songs. Uh, what we did back you know a few years ago when it was really hot, but. Uh, you know, there it is. Anyway, welcome back to the Marcus Warren Show. So, um, uh, who do you play in those reenactments? Oh, pretty much Hamilton? all part. Hamilton, oh, all of them. Burr, um, oh. you know, Lafayette, okay. um, you know, all of those okay. guys. Um, anyway, so <laughs> George Washington, that's right. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Thomas Jefferson. Oh, so, all right. Yes, all of the I'm, founding I'm, fathers. I'm, I'm pretty flexible. I'm a, I'm an actor, being a thespian. Um, you okay. know, I can pretty much do any role, any oh, part. Okay. okay. Yeah. I just got to find my motivation mm. and then I just throw it out there. Thank right. you very much. All right. So markets are, are driven by numbers, right? 
Yeah. You know, earnings, mm-hmm. interest rates, uh, expectations of future, of, of future growth. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's just a math equation, right? Um, exactly. Or is it? So let's discuss. So, you know, I know that folks um, like code hard numbers because um, they're neat, they're logical, and they're measurable. But there's always, there's always more to the story. I think that there's the story itself. And the stories that folks tell themselves about what's happening in the markets and what will happen, what, what, will, what will happen. And often, of course, the story and the numbers, they always seem to contradict each other. Let's dive into this. So, you know, we, um, we, we see these contradictions with really every bubble um, or any kind of period of irrational exuberance that we've had, you know, when prices detach from the fundamental facts um, in a way that's uh, sometimes puzzling to me, uh, sometimes infuriating, uh, and then of sometimes and most times just completely irrational. Um, you know, what's behind this? Uh, of course, it's emotions, uh, stories, and then plain old human psychology, right, with tulips way back in the day, the dot-com bubble, you know, and now we have these NFTs, these non-fungible tokens. That's really a fascinating illustration of, of what I'm talking about. Um, you know, there's no rational, at least to me, no fundamental reason why AI-generated image files, they should be trading for thousands or millions of dollars. But the story and the hype says different. Um, you know, a lot of these images have, have become central to, you know, this crypto culture. You know, folks, you know, are telling them, telling themselves and telling each other in these chat rooms. I don't know if they're chat rooms anymore, but on social media. I think it's on Discord and uh, Reddit. Uh, Reddit. And oh, chat rooms. Yeah, there's still chat yeah. rooms. I'm thinking about, mm-hmm. uh, what is it, AOL, old school chat yeah. rooms. But AOL I guess not, that's the new Reddit it's just now. The new, so, so I'm mm-hmm. not too old. There you go. Right. But, you know, they're telling themselves these stories about, uh, you know, the blockchain or this decentralized revolution that, that's coming. And, of course, all the astronomical amounts of cash that people are making and changing hands, right? But it reminds me of the dot-com bubble not so long ago when unprofitable... Internet-based companies, they went public at ridiculous valuations, right? Driven by, by the way, investors' belief in the power of the Internet and this deep-seated fear of missing out on this new dot-com or Internet revolution. Remember that? Yeah, people yeah, people remember that, or they should remember it. If not, I mean, it's been a while now, and I'm pretty old. But anyway, but then something changed, right? The story changed, the emotions changed. Uh, investor belief in the value of these internet startup companies, all that changed. And does that mean that all market crazes are destined for disaster? Um, I think that's it's probably impossible to say. But what happened with the dot-com bubble is the bubble burst. And we still have internet companies. We still have uh, tech companies. Uh, it just weeded out all the ones that were based on just stories and emotions, right? And are we in a bubble now with crypto and NFTs and all that stuff? Who knows? Because bubbles only get labeled 
when it's in the rearview mirror. It's, we'll never know until it's hindsight. So what do we do with all this information and this hype? You know, how do we use it to make smarter decisions? Um, well, I say we can start by accepting that the numbers don't have all the answers. But then we can also accept that the stories that we tell ourselves and each other, they don't have all the answers to. It's somewhere in the middle. The, the bottom line is the stories aren't either right or they're not wrong. They just simply are. And if we can digest that, take that information in, pause, and not get too emotional, then I think we'll all be be better off. By the way, have have you uh, purchased any NFTs or crypto or um, have you start? Have you do you have your own NFT that you're trying to sell? Yes, and make a quick buck. Right, yeah. exactly. Yes, yeah. I actually wouldn't even know where to start. I've uh, purchasing an NFT. I don't know if you go to Coinbase. I don't. Oh, there's OpenSea. I don't know. I, I've, I no. The answer okay. to that is no. Not well, yet. well, good Not for yet. you. Good for you. But hey, I think I've really uh, another in addition to NFTs, crypto, blockchain. Another good example of how a story has um, really catapulted a company um, is Tesla. I, said, I knew you were going to yes. You I, knew that's yes, where I was going. Yeah. 2%. They've had 2% of the total car market share. It, it just recently, it's gone up to 2%, meaning that it's been lower than that in, in the past 10 or so years. Yep. Um, their, uh, let's see, revenue, let's look at Ford. Ford revenue in the last year, $127 billion. That was in 2020 when, by the way, car production stopped. Yeah, um, GM uh, revenue in 2020 was $122 billion. Nice. Tesla, oh, $36 billion. $36 billion in, wow. And that's in, ending in 2021. So that's after uh, the pandemic in, yeah. in 2021 when um, it all started coming back. Yep. But if we look at the stock price, Ford at $20 a share, GM $53 a share, Tesla $936 per share right now. Yeah, there's, um, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's that, after a stock split. They did a stock split to reduce the price per share. Yeah, that ties right in to what I'm talking about, stories, stories sell. And there is, you know, a lot of that irrational exuberance that, that tends to... to take over the, the hearts and the minds and the pocketbooks of uh, many uh, investors and or speculators out there. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Cause I, I've, when I saw Tesla at 300, I was like, it's overvalued. There's no way. And it's tripled since then. Um, and, you know, when you look at the numbers, um, you know, 2% of the market share, um, you know, a third of the profits that GM and, and, and Ford make. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's, that's a, a good case in point of how emotions sell. And a lot of times it's not about the numbers. The answer is always somewhere in the middle, especially um, from a, from an investing standpoint. But I always say, you know, don't get caught up in the hype. Speaking of that, um, uh, you know, I really think that, you know, when, when you are uh, trying to, you know, invest um, and or make money, you have to basically be um, as disciplined as, as as possible. I know that emotions come in, and I talk about it all the time, right? You get your fear, and you got your greed, and then, of course, the fear of missing out um, uh, feeds into the greed, um, especially in upward-moving markets. And I said this last week that, you know, the market – so far, the market so far um, this year uh, have 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 not been uh, are trending downwards. And when you think about the last twelve years, most people have, we haven't experienced a, a big overcorrection or a, or a sustained bear market. 
And a lot of people attribute um, the upward moving markets to, you know, their genius. Um, You know, we have do-it-yourselfers who think that they know exactly how to time the market and they've been making money over the last 12 years and they know what investments to invest in and they're feeling pretty good about themselves and or they're feeling pretty good about their uh, advisors. And I'm an advisor who will say that, hey, you know, I don't know. I don't have any control over what the market does. No one does. The market trades on news. News is unpredictable. Thus, the market is unpredictable. So there's no way to try to time it, predict it, do whatever. Now, saying all that, I'm going to make sure that uh, we find out our clients' risk tolerance. We make sure that they're diversified. And so whatever happens in the market, we expect it um, and we're prepared when we're prepared for it. Because there's something that's called standard deviation, not going to get in or too technical. But we know that the market is going to go up, it's going to go down, it's going to go up, it's going to go down. But depending on how you're allocated and the investments you have, you want is always going to trade or there's always going to be a certain variance of when the market is up and when it's down. But the one thing that we can control is those gyrations in the market through diversification um, and asset allocation. And so once we find out a client's risk profile, we can control the, the gyrations of the market and let our clients know, all right, in between any six-month period of time, based on your allocation, you, you can expect to be up 16% and down maybe 9 or 10%. But when those things are going to happen, we don't know, but at least you have a range. And if you're more risk-averse, it could be, hey, look, you, you could be up 25%, but you can also be down 20% in any six-month time frame. That's called knowing our clients, knowing their risk tolerances, and making sure that they understand that, hey, the markets aren't going to go up forever. We've been fooled for the last 12 years. Who knows what's going to happen moving forward? But let's just have a plan. Bam, there you go. All right, coming up next, we're going to get into some uh, tax talk with D's Tax Corner. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. Oh, yeah. So um, we're going all, well, we had uh, Wahlberg earlier, Marky Mark, Mark, and now we got Donnie Wahlberg with New Kids on the Block. Um, This song came out in uh, 1989. All right. It's called Hanging Tough. Okay. Of New Kids on the Block. One of the, uh, that's when the boy band phase started coming back. You know? Hanging tough. Number one in the U.S. and number one in the U.K. All right. There you go. Okay. You know, and I know you uh, really enjoy this song. I can tell by the look on your face. Mm-hmm, yeah. It's fantastic. It's great. Really good. Anyway, welcome back to the show, The Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. And a physical packet of information with a copy of my two books, some financial reports, and access to a webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement will be delivered free of charge to your front door. Once again, all you have to do 
to get that retirement rescue game plan. Oh, and by the way, we know a lot of retirements are requiring some uh, a lot of rescuing these days. So don't pass up that offer. WarrenWealth.net. Get your retirement rescued. All right. You know what it's time for? Hey, it's real time. quick. Yeah. Quick fun fact about Mr. Donnie Wahlberg. Yes. Uh, bring it back full circle. So in 1991, he was charged with first degree arson for setting fire right here in good old Louisville, Kentucky at the Sealback Hotel. There you go. Authorities say that he uh, basically spilled some vodka in the hallway and then set it on fire because that's just what you do when, when you're in a boy band, right? Yes. Yeah. When you're uh, yeah trying to rebel, trying to be a... Uh, um, a rock star. Yeah. He didn't like being in that boy band phase. He, you know, he had to be the bad boy of the boy band. There always has to be a bad boy. Okay. Always, okay. Yeah, you know? you're right. You know. You're right. AJ. AJ, yep. Mm-hmm. In uh, uh, the Backstreet, Backstreet Boys. Backstreet Boys, AJ. Um, NSYNC was, uh, heck, that's a good one. They were all kind of innocent. Lance Bass. Was oh. he the bad boy? No. They were all kind of innocent. <laughs> yeah, he's a bad boy. All right. All right, um, anyway, let's get into some uh, D's Tax Corner. Because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. Or woman. All right, so I've got a quick question. You got a cash app? Yeah, I have, I have them all. I have uh, cash app. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Venmo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really it. Zelle is kind of a cash app, but not... Really, not really, not right? Really, mm-hmm. and yep. I tell you what, I tell you um, something that, that that that's pretty smart is the fact that you know we talk about cash apps, yes, and the fact that cash app they name themselves cash app, yes, and so you know when you ask people, do you have cash app? It's a lot of people think, oh yeah, no, I have Venmo, right? Which they're all cash app applications. Yeah. I think that was it's a like uh, become a, it's become the noun. It's, for it's pretty good. But it industry. wasn't before, but I, I knew about Zelle and Venmo yeah. before. Cash App was the last one that I actually signed up for. Yeah. And now it seemed like the one, I still use Venmo, but it seems like Cash App is the one that I use um, the most. To, well. I, I send my um, my 13-year-old uh, daughter mm-hmm. um, money, of course. Yeah, um, Cash App. My kids, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And then, you know, paying people back for okay. stuff. Well, hey, listen up. The IRS is finally catching up to the 21st century, kind of. Beginning this year, 2022, they are requiring digital payment platforms like Cash App, the ones you named, Venmo, PayPal, to begin. Oh, yeah. PayPal might have been the original original Cash App, but not really. Right. Yeah. It was kind of a platform for payments. Yeah. Which was was a Cash App. Yeah. Yeah, So. Really was kind of the original one. Anyways, uh, requiring all the digital (laughs) payment platforms to begin reporting payments that people receive in excess of just $600 per year. Now, previously, these limits were a lot higher. Uh, It used to be that businesses and individuals would receive a 1099K, which is a payment card and third-party network transactions. That that was mainly for credit cards, right? Swiping credit cards, yes, but also any, any sort of digital payments if... I received you received payments of twenty thousand dollars per year or more, and you completed more than two hundred transactions per year. So, any small businesses or sole proprietors who uh, did not meet those thresholds yeah. did not receive that ten ninety nine k, and likely there was some unreported income. So now the American Rescue Plan made changes to these regulations. Cash App networks uh, are required to issue those ten ninety nine forms to any user that meets that threshold. Now. 
These apply to individuals, partnerships, LLCs, and corporations. So, so what you're saying is, um, when you just said that last statement, it, it yes. partnerships. So, if, as I was saying, you know, you go to, you have a group of friends. Yes. You all go to, um, you know, uh, the Chili's or the Applebee's up the street, mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, you, one person throws down their credit card and pays it. And you, everybody decides to cash app that person their portion of the meal. Yes. You're saying that, uh, say it was a big meal, and that meal was well over 600 bucks, and that yes. person received, say, $1,000 from being paid back for, for paying, for, for foot, footing the bill. Man, they now, went all out at that Applebee's. Yes, they did. I mean, I'm telling you, you can get them, them, them riblets. Mm-hmm. Them riblets, uh, okay. you know, that's, that's not too bad. Sure. And that... Yeah. Uh, what else? What else you got there? You got the those those. Uh, you can get the combo platter with the the chicken strips and the riblets. Okay, and that's pretty good. Yikes! You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, um, so you get a thousand dollars. So you said over six hundred bucks. So that person would get a ten ninety nine k from Venmo or, or Cash App. Not necessarily. So f- the first thing is it's it's transactions for the year. So regardless if it's one transaction in one time versus. 85 transactions throughout the year, as That's long as it's over that $600. Yep, add it all up, as long as it's over that $600. Now, it is intended for business purposes. So this is intended um, because you're supposed to report income that you earn from providing a service or selling a product, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it, it's if, say, maybe hairstylists or barbers who might get paid uh, via some of these digital payment platforms, or if you're selling some products you know on ebay or amazon and you get paid through one of these payment providers well, everyone or- gets paid through through um, like a cash app or something like that and i'm just wondering like so you know so because number one venmo let's talk about venmo yes. first of all venmo um is if you don't hit that private feature yes you know anybody in, in your contacts you see all the money that's going and being uh, sent between all you, all of your friends or whatever that may be. And, um, you know, I know a lot of people I've seen, you know, a lot of those same names come up, you know, mm-hmm. for, for this, for that, for mm-hmm. whatever it may be for, you know, reimbursement for gas, for, uh, food, whatever it, for whatever it is. And if they get a 1099 K and they're like, well, wait a minute. I, you know, I was just reimbursing yeah, friends for yes. food and gas and stuff like what, that. What do they do? Do they have to get in contact with Venmo or whoever that cash app is and say, hey, this, you need to get this out of, out of here because the whole, well, what people need to understand, what people, what the listeners need to understand is when the IRS knows everything, yes. right? Because your employer or a merchant or a cash app, whatever it may be, whenever you receive that W 2, that 1099, whatever it is, it is all. It is not just going to you. It is also going to the IRS. So you're talking about getting this 1099K. So you get that 1099K, you can't just say, huh, $1,200. No, I'm not. I'm throwing, that, I'm throwing that away because that was basically stuff and reimbursements and whatever it was from friends and family throughout the year. So you can't just throw that 1099K away can't now because like you said the irs gets reported that information too now if it is for personal expenses both uh venmo and cash app they do have 
uh, feet, uh, I guess, toggles that at least Venmo has a toggle that lets you say if it's if it's for a product or service or if it's personal transaction. Cash App has uh, separate apps for business and personal. And so that's a way that some of these digital payment providers are trying to differentiate between um, what's a personal transaction and what's a business transaction? Because so, the personal transactions are not taxable. If you're reimbursing uh, your friends uh, for uh, paying for something, or if, you know, if you're paying your roommate, you know, your portion of the rent via Cash App, then that's not taxable because you're not. It's not a business transaction. Right. And how do? And what I'm saying is that's tough to to figure out because I mean, if I clean houses for a living, um, then I set up my own. Cash you know, app. my own mm-hmm. cash app, and I just have people send it to Marcus Warren, uh, housekeeper extraordinaire. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not an LLC. I'm not anything. They can just send it to me in my personal bank account. Yeah. So I'm well, good because I won't get a 1099K. You, uh, you, it won't be reported to the IRS, but you still have to pay taxes on it. Okay. Um, so you've got to you've got to be the honest person there and report right. that yourself. I mean, r- really, our, our whole tax system is the honor system. Yes. Honestly, really, is the honor system. But, uh, um. I'm just wondering how they differentiate that and, you know, you know, because, you know, they're not sending 1099, I would assume they're not sending 1099 case to everyone. Uh, but, uh, but at the same time, for, <clears throat> you know, in, in, in the, in the same, uh, you know, thought, thought pattern, it's like, well, you know, if I mow lawns or if somebody, I mean, I, I know this, I, I have someone who, who comes in and they'll tidy up my house every now and again. Mm-hmm. I pay her. Mm-hmm. Cash app. Yeah. I don't pay her LLC or whatever it's called or whatever. Yeah. I have a guy who uh, mows my lawn. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's a kid, you know, mm-hmm. and I just pay him on a cash, cash app. app. Yeah. So, yes. and I'm sure they're probably not, I'm just not their only customer. So they're flying under the radar. By the way, not uh, maliciously, I bet. They're just thinking, hey, I got a cash app and this is the way it is. Yes. So I'm wondering if they're going to just do a catch-all, and then you just have to send it back to Venmo and say, no, this wasn't. There's uh, there's always the um, concept of something, and then there's the reality of how something actually works. Right. So conceptually, they're, they're supposed to differentiate. Um, cash App at least has said if you have a personal Cash App versus a business one, then you won't get that 1099. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's a way to differentiate that. Of course, you're, the kid who mows your lawn could have a personal Cash App, may not have set it up as a business. So that yeah. won't get reported, even though it is reportable or taxable income. Um, and then Venmo supposedly lets you toggle mm-hmm. between, you know, well, whether that, well, it's Well, you would have to set personal. it up, and but you would, uh, well, it, it's not a specific toggle as far as um, a bank account, right? You're saying a toggle. No, just it's like just like a, a you're, you're like classifying a, oh. the transaction between it's, this is for personal transaction or this is for a product or service that I provided. Gotcha. Yes. All right. Well, and now, funnily enough, just real quick, oh. Zelle, um, which you mentioned they earlier, don't they don't count. They're claiming that they're not, they don't actually handle settlements of funds. They're just kind of the messenger between two different bank accounts. So they're like, we're not sending any 1099. Sorry, IRS. Well, there you go. Time to, for me to sign up for a Zelle account. Thank you, D. Because I'm the tax man. Yeah, I'm the tax man. Or woman. All right, coming up next, we'll have news you can use and news you can't use. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show.
Strike a pose. Okay. All right, Madonna. So we'll do that. So um, this song is Vogue. Okay. By Madonna. Um, came out in 1990. Have you ever Vogued? All right. Have you ever Vogued in your life? Have I ever str- struck a pose? Vogue. Voguing. Oh, yeah. A, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Is that, a, is that a verb? Yeah. Yeah. Voguing. Oh, it is? Yeah. It's a thing? Yeah. Okay. I was born in the uh, year before this song came out. Str- okay. Striking a pose. Talking about. You got a Vogue. Oh, okay. Okay. Sure. Anyway. Number one in the US and number one in the UK. Really? Yes. So, um, there you go. Okay. All right, Madonna. By the way, Madonna looks nothing like Madonna anymore. I don't know what. Well, I know what happened. Time? Geez, yeah, well, time and, you know, when you try to uh, hold back that time, uh, Father Time is undefeated, right? That That's all true. I got to say. Yep. Father Time is undefeated. All right, welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show, where you can get that retirement rescue game plan free of charge that will help rescue your retirement from inflation, from uh, interest rate risk from uh, market risk from tax rate risk you have to protect your hard-earned money from the IRS once again you can get that retirement rescue game plan at warrenwealth.net um, how old is Madonna you looked that up for me I mean she's I don't know how old she is but I know that uh, um, like I said she's trying to find that cool. fountain of youth okay and um, you know it's uh, it's been rough on her 63. 63, that's it. There we go. Oh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, uh, okay. I digress. Anyway, let's get into some news you can use. All right. So big retailers have benefited over the past two years from the pandemic rush to uh, make some home improvements, uh, buy some patio furniture, home decor, laptops. Uh, work from home, you know, all that all that type of stuff. And now they got to go back to work. And now <laughs> things are reversing. Yes, many of those same stores are grappling with a swift reversal of buying behavior as consumers are spending less on goods in favor of services and necessities like food and fuel. Yeah. Target recently warned that their profit, they expect their profit to drop this year because they have to cancel orders with vendors and offer discounts to clear out unwanted goods. Um, Target said that it... Uh, it's it's temp- yeah tempered its profit outlook. Their inventory rose forty three percent in April, as of course of last year, as demand for outdoor furniture, appliances, electronics grew, and they're not able to sell all the inventory that they purchased. Well, therefore, they're it's it's like this. Um, what happens is this, or what happened was this, and I just give my uh, hypothesis here. So. Um, you know, I talked about my, my daughter in an earlier segment talking about when is inflation going to end? Yes. And when kind of when is it going to end? Why inflation? So forth or so on. And um, it, a lot of it has to do with basic, you know, supply and demand as when demand is low. I mean, when demand is high, supply is low. Prices just tend to, to, to creep up. Right. Um, you know, just the cost of goods and services tend to go up. Um, and that happened. Uh, there was a perfect storm uh, a couple of years ago with COVID where mm-hmm. one is um, COVID happened and then there were supply chain issues. So, so uh, things got bottlenecked. We couldn't get our goods um, or even any services uh, right away. And most of the time it was goods at that time. Mm-hmm. And then 
the checks started rolling in. There was oh, a good yeah. supply of stimulus checks rolling Making in. It rain. And people had money to spend, extra money to spend. And they did that in a couple of different fashions. One is they decided to, hey, you know what? Let me open up this Coinbase, this Robinhood account, you know, so forth and so on, and I'll mm-hmm. go ahead and gamble my money uh, in the market. Yes. And then others were like, you know what? Let me go to Amazon. Let me go to Target.com, Walmart.com, and let me just buy some stuff. Yes. Because I'm stuck in my house. I'm looking around, and I'm like, you know what? I could. This place could use a, a refresher. We could freshen this place up a little bit. And so they started buying those goods. And now that money has dried up. Um, number one, we still have the supply chain issues and, and things of that nature. That's why prices are still high. And then, of course, the war in Ukraine. That's why gas prices are high. Blah, 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 blah. And that is why. Oh, and by the way, because there was, there was an influx of cash coming in and an influx of demand, what did the retailers do? They said, shoot, let's just load it up. Load it up. Mm-hmm. Not yes. looking down the pipe to say, you know what? This money's probably coming from other spots than employment because... Um, you know, it's 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 uh, it's an influx, and here we are, where now they have a bunch of inventory, which yes. should mean, hey, supply is up, demand is low. Maybe things are going on sale, or prices are come down a little. Well, bit. that's what they have to do if they want to get rid of some of this inventory that they have. They have to either discount prices to sell, or uh, I guess store it and take on the storage expense till next season because some stuff is seasonal, some yep. stuff you can't sell right now. So that those are the those are the two options for retailers like. Target, Walmart, Macy's, and Gap have all said that they have to either discount goods, hold on to them, and even cancel some uh, orders that they made with vendors, which and ma- means they incur some more fees because they're canceling a- an order. So there you go. That's what's going on right now. There you are. What else we got? All right. Well, I have to talk about this, even though I don't really want to. Elon Musk <laughs> threatened to terminate his deal to buy Twitter well. in a letter accusing the company of not complying with his request for data on the number of spam and fake accounts on the social media platform. He said Twitter has uh, refused to provide the data necessary for him to evaluate the number of spam and fake accounts. Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Yes. A Twitter spokesperson <laughs> said that they uh, have shared the information that Musk has asked for. They're basically going back and forth. Oh, yeah. But the thing that is funny to me is that now um, the Texas Attorney General, Mr. Uh, Ken Paxton, has launched an investigation into Twitter saying that the company may have falsely reported no, its they, fake bot accounts yeah. in violation of they, a Texas act. They yes. haven't. They haven't. Elon Musk just doesn't have the money anymore. That's basically it. He's trying to save face and ask for stuff. Um, from what I understand, what I've heard, um, uh, the uh the stuff that what, what um, Twitter filed, it's it's ironclad. What they the contract that they signed with um, Elon, mm-hmm. you know, addressed all that yeah. stuff. He just doesn't want, you know, he's trying to save face. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to, you know, his Tesla stock is down. Yes. Of course, Twitter is down. Uh, and of course, I don't even know what Twitter is right now. It's But I know it's not $54. It's which he's, not. Right. He what you wanted to pay right. for it. And so he's just like, uh, you know, it was all smoke and mirrors. Anyway, Is there this are like an impulse buy on Musk's part. Was he like, I just got up all this money no, laying around? No, Let it's not just... an impulse buy, it's an ego buy. Oh, okay, he was yes, trying to do go. whatever, and now he's like, Oh, wait, oh, never mind. Now he has to come up with stuff, yes. But uh, we'll see how it plays out. And as a Twitter user, I can affirm that y- you know that there's a lot of bots and, and Every, a lot of those bots, and, and they're not that. they're not all bad. Some of them, so, you know, like are like, Hey, remind me to follow up on this thread and see what the, what the resolution was. Yeah, he's yeah. It's all, it's all fake. He just didn't want to. Uh, he, he, you know, he 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 wanted to, and then he's like, "Let me Changed back out because I don't have any money." Mm. All right. Mm.
let's do one more. Okay, so net inflows into de- quote unquote defensive ETFs or exchange traded funds, those that are related to staples like healthcare, yeah. of course, consumer staples, yes. utilities, and real estate. Recession proof. Along with uh, precious metals. Investments. Well, the inflows, uh, investors think so because inflows have gone up in those uh, types of ETFs, totaled $50 billion this year just through April, according to Morningstar. This is, of course, outpaced the inflows that occurred last year. It's it's basic investor behavior. It's, 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 it's following it's what's... It's called the dumb money oh, okay. it's dumb money mm-hmm. that's what uh actually that's what wall, wall street calls that your your average individual investor they call it dumb money okay. and when you look at the market going down mm-hmm. what you generally see is a bunch of outflows from the market a bunch of inflows into money market funds things of that nature which is basically cash and then you also see uh people trying to go for recession type proof uh in investments things of that nature mm-hmm. and of course they do it when they they seek shelter um or they start to build uh their uh, what, what what do we want to call it their um their barn once it's already started raining mm. you know versus doing it beforehand yeah. you know what i mean buying that umbrella having that umbrella ready having that shelter ready before yes. stuff like this happens and now they're doing it of course after it happened and then they'll just wait and then they'll lose money that's why the average individual investor does uh, horrible, horrible compared to just the general market. You cannot time the market, people, and that's what a lot of folks are trying to do. At least fifty billion dollars worth so that's far. Right. By that's the way. right. So yes, far. just through April. Mm-hmm. Anyway, D, thank you for that uh, news. You can use, and of course, if we left everyone with that, they would be satiated. They would be feeling good about themselves, but they yearn for more, and that more is the news you can't use Alrighty, so a group of engineering students at john uh, johns hopkins university unveiled a groundbreaking oh new invention called tasty tape it's an edible adhesive that keeps all your favorite ingredients tucked inside of your burrito or your wrap so you put it you tape it you yeah. make your burrito or you get your burrito with all the good stuff inside it. And then, you know how it, when you try to eat it, it's messy and then it all falls out if the, you don't eat it the, the right way? The answer to that question is no. Oh, okay. I was just about to say, I've never, I don't eat a lot of burritos, but burrito I've eaten a few wrap. burritos in my life. And I've never thought, wow, if we could just have something to keep this together, maybe some edible tape or something. You no. know, you know what? You're right because isn't the entire point of a wrap and a burrito that it wraps or keeps everything inside versus, and like, say, a sandwich or a burger when sometimes ju- you right. might be eating a good juicy need. big burger and, it comes, and all the stuff comes comes need, out as you take a bite. They need to convert that. They need a, a tape. There a we go. Burger tape. Burger tape. Burger That's tasting what they tape. Need. That yes. is what they need to Bacon do. Bacon flavor. Yes. What kind of flavor is this? I wonder. Or just edible? Doesn't it's just like edible. Anything. Don't know what it tastes like, but all the ingredients are safe to consume. Food flavors coming. Flavors coming soon for that. Flavors tape. coming soon. But there they need we go. to wrap that sucker around. You're right. A, a sandwich, mm-hmm. uh, a burger. Because yes. that's that's what falls apart. That's true. I, I'm not. You know, my burritos really don't fall apart too much. Yeah. Yeah. Give me one more. Alrighty. An underwater volcano surrounded by sharks 
Sounds like something out of a science fiction movie, but yeah. the Sharknado is very real, according to new images captured by NASA satellite, and it's erupting. So uh, uh, the NASA satellite took snapshots of the volcano earlier this month. It's got its nickname, uh, Sharknado, uh, after a 2015 exhibition found that two species of sharks, along with uh, active microbial communities, are living active microbial uh, uh, organisms are living uh, within the volcano's crater where it is erupting. And the scary thing to me is that the sharks have evolved to be able to survive in the extremely hot and acidic water that surrounds the volcano. Uh, so um, we're going to have uh, Godzilla There's coming up out Alien sharks. Yes. Yes. Godzilla type sharks. That that would be. Uh, that is how Godzilla. Terrifying. I was going to say cool, but that'd be terrifying. Would be very if, terrifying. If something like that. By the way, you know, I know you're a big space buff. Yes. The right. sea, the depths of the sea, oh. is mm-hmm. just as to me. It's like uh, we haven't even unexplored, unexplored mm-hmm. uh, stuff yeah. that's basically right here and yes. right below us, so don't, to speak. And I don't want to encounter some of those oh. creatures that are. Potentially down there. I don't need dark. No, I don't want, uh, you know, Sharknado, Mm -hmm. uh, Godzilla shark, uh, creature from the Black Lagoon, whatever that may be. That scares me. Anyway, D, thank you for that news that you can't use. And we all know what that music means. It means we've come to the end of the show. I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a great week and take it easy on this Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Marcus Warren Show. For more information or to request your retirement toolkit, contact Marcus at 502-339-8255 or visit his website at talktomarcus.com. Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.